how to evangelize through miracles. It's so simple. Number one, definitions. Uh, we need to define what we mean by evangelism, we need to define what we mean by miracles. Uh, we need to realize everything should be based on scripture. Now, one of the things I find so often, and especially in the modern day, is the scripture is used as a text proof. People do not take things as a whole, they take it as proof text, and they don't truly take it in context and then you end up with error overemphasis on things now right at the start i want to tell you i believe in the scriptures as being the only touchstone to truth not prophecy not visions the scriptures the written word of god and an authorized version at that um, church history one of the things I think is important to understand is nothing new is under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. And I find so often people uh, don't know church history. Church history is a valuable indication of truth and error. And if you don't go back and say, hey, what has happened in the past, and you don't realize what's happened in the past, then you're one of these people, I suppose, that thinks because you can speak in tongues at 200 miles an hour, you don't need anyone to teach you. We learn from history. Error is recycled about every 25 or 30 years. It just comes in different clothes, a different makeup, but it's the same errors, regurgitated. Uh, and what we need to do is we need to be aware that there's nothing new under the sun. The early church was fighting errors, and we'll talk about it. Also, it's important that you understand fully, because sometimes when we use a word, we mean something by a word, someone else has the same word and has a totally different interpretation of what it means. And you find, if I use the word redemption, and I went round this room and asked every one of you what you meant by redemption, I think I'd probably get, uh, you know... <laughs> a hundred different interpretations because everyone has a concept and when you're using words that's how we transmit and talk uh, I find that people go away from scripture and it goes on experience an anecdotal experience at that and they say well you know my experience is this well look your experience doesn't matter at all nor does mine what matters is what the word of God says and once you go and you make your doctrine out of experience or out of visions or out of so-called prophecies, you're in trouble. It's the word of God that's the touchstone for truth. And so we want to discuss um, those things. And then the how-to of evangelism. Uh, what we need to look at is, hey, who was the greatest evangelist that ever lived? Oh, Jesus, wow! Hey, we're getting somewhere. Uh, do you notice, miracles was the way he brought the multitude together. They came, they brought the sick, the lame, the blind, they brought them to him. 
Jesus came to open the eyes of the blind. He came to cause the cripple to walk. He came to deliver the captive. Hey, we've got a miracle working God. And he lives in you. He does. And he's the same Jesus. So don't ever get this idea that somehow in Africa it works, but here it doesn't. That's a lie of the devil. Get it out of your thinking. Same God. Same reality. Let's go on. We're going to look at it. Definitions. Evangelism. It's the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ communicated in word and power. If you don't communicate it in word and power, you haven't communicated it at all. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1.5 For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in much assurance. There's a sense in which if you're really communicating the gospel, it's got to come with power. Power is in Christ. And it's in the living Christ. And you have to have that power in you. You know, the disciples said to the crippled man, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I'll give you. You've got to have the goods to give the goods. But if you have the goods inside, you can give. And that's the secret of life. And it's in much assurance. The definition of a miracle... It's a less common way of God's working in the world. Now let me explain that. I believe that the whole of creation is upheld by the power of his word. There is nothing here that exists but for Christ. Amen? That's what the Bible says. I believe it. So we live in miracle realm. Because God spoke the word and the whole of creation was made. And let me tell you, it was made in six days and on the seventh day God rested. And if it is said in six seconds, I'd believe six seconds. If you're one of these people that believe it took millions of years, don't call yourself a Christian, you're an unbeliever. If you don't believe in Adam and Eve, you cannot believe in redemption. If sin didn't come by one, Paul said, then redemption doesn't come by one. End of story. And this definition does not say that a miracle is a different kind of working by God, but only that it is less, a less common way of God's working and it is done to arouse people's surprise or, or amazement in such a way that God bears witness to himself. When I was in uh, Ghana recently, a woman came out with a great cancer on her neck. And she was going to die. Big cancer. It was ugly. I prayed, as I always do. Simple prayer. Always simple. If you pray a long prayer, it's because you have unbelief. I never fast and pray, I pray fast. It gets things done. And quick prayer. And I looked, and her neck was perfect. Where did the cancer go in a second? I don't know. There wasn't even a blemish on her skin. Vanished. We have a miracle working God. I'll tell you what happened. (laughs) A bishop, Anglican bishop, sitting by, 
dear man of God, man I love. Uh, he, it was in Kumasi, he stood up and he began to cry. And the next person out was a man who was blind. He had an accident, gone totally blind. And he came and stood by me and he watched and I prayed. And this man, he, he, you know, his face, and, and as God opened his eyes, I said, reach out and touch my nose. And he reached out and the look on his face and the tears streaming down, he could see. And the bishop began to cry. I tell you what happened. When they saw the cancers vanish and the blind eyes open, it was easy to say there's only one Savior. There's only one name under heaven whereby a man can be saved. They flocked to the front. They wanted life. Miracles confirm the word. They settle the issue. They settle the question. And, and or an amazement. When you watch it and you watch the miracles, it, 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 it captivates people. Without that, you have no power. You, you have a philosophy, but you don't have miracle power. And without miracle power, you won't win the multitudes. God always revealed himself as a miracle working God throughout Scripture. If you look at the Old Testament, New Testament miracles, shows when a human agent is performing a miracle, the purpose is authentication of the person and his message. Now, do understand that. You, you see, people want to know if you're genuine. A man came to me years ago. He came to my church. And he kind of came up and said, I've got a ministry from God. I said, fine. And he said, God's called me. I said, fine. I said, tell me, where's your church? He said, I don't have one. I said, well, where do you fellowship? He said, I just travel around. I said, well, where's the proof of your ministry? He said, oh, Oh, there are people all over have heard me preach. I said, what have you produced? He said, well, well, you know, um, um, I help people. He said, I've come to tell you I'd like to help you. I said, I don't need your help. My Bible says faith without works is dead. You show me your faith. I'll show you my faith by my works. No works, no faith. If you don't produce, you're a sham. <laughs> You've got to do what you said you'd do. It's the man. Look, God called you to do a work. You've got to face the fact it's your responsibility to be the messenger God intends you to be. With the message God has given you in the power that God intends you to move in. You can't put the blame on someone else. Oh, it's the people. It's the area. It's the... No. The problem's in the pulpit. If you preach and teach, I'll tell you, miracles will be an automatic thing that happens. If you declare the truth of God, nothing but confirmation will come from God because he confirms his word. 
The trouble is, if it's not his word, he's got nothing to confirm and he won't confirm it. And a big problem is people do not preach redemption because they don't know what it means. And therefore, no miracles happen because they're preaching philosophy instead of ministering life as it is in Christ. Okay? Now, if that offends you, sorry. But that's the truth. Amen? Okay, let's go on. Miracles performed through individuals as an accompaniment to their message were only manifested on two occasions in the Old Testament. Moses, you remember. Um, <laughs> Moses went and God said, look, I want to do miracles. I want to change things. I want to deal with Pharaoh. And God did the miracles. All the miracles turning the water into blood. All, all the things that happen. Let me explain something to you. God in the Old Testament is very different from God in the New Testament. The Old Covenant was based on inferior promises. We have a superior promise. We have Christ living in us. We have the power of God within. They had the Spirit of God moving upon them. We have the Spirit of God living within us. They had... A, a way where God will intervene through men, but like Samson, he didn't even know when the Spirit of God had departed from him. That can never happen to a Christian. When we're born again, we're sons of God, and God comes and fills us with the Holy Ghost. Christ is in us. We're alive in him. We have authority and power, not because we have it, but he has it. And let me make this plain. There is no such thing as a higher anointing, a deeper anointing. It's nonsense. The anointed one is Jesus. And when he lives within, he does the miracles, not you. And once you start taking it to yourself and thinking you're doing the miracles, you're in trouble. I tell people, I'm not a miracle worker. I don't heal the sick. But I know someone who does. His name is Jesus. And he lives in me. Amen? And it's his anointing. You know, people say, oh, I want a new anointing. If you need a new anointing, it means you weren't ever born again. 39 years ago, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I've never needed another baptism. I got baptized into life. I've never thirsted for God ever since then. And I've never hungered for God. I drank living water and I never thirsted again. I, drank, I ate living bread and I tell you, I never hungered again. And thank God for it. I've never been in a wilderness experience because that's through unbelief. I've found my God has been faithful all the time. And I tell you what, I get worse as the days go by. I'm happy. I'm just alive because he lives in me. And it's him. I live, nevertheless, not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh. It's not some spirit life. You know, come down to earth. God's spirit, he don't need you to be spiritual. He's spiritual enough. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's his faith. His life. He lives in me. 
It's not me trying to, you know, get holy. Peter put it right when, when they healed the cripple. Do you remember? And he was leaving. He said, don't think it's by our holiness. You know, it's not me. It's him. He did it. When people complain about miracles, I say, look, don't blame me. Blame God. I, I'm not, I can't do it. You get offense. Blame God. You know, things changed in the New Testament. Jesus, his message concerning the kingdom of heaven, it was always accompanied by miracles. Christ empowered the disciples to perform miracles uh, in connection with the gospel and the kingdom. You know, when he sent the 12 out, when he sent the 70 out, he said, go in any town you go into, you enter into the house, say, peace be upon this house. And then he said, heal the sick, deliver the captive. Look, God never sent me to pray for the sick. He told me to heal them. And there's a great difference. I find a lot of people that want to pray, very few people who want to heal. I give the example. I had a man carried into my church and he lay down there. Greg, his name was. He, he was a washing machine uh, mechanic and stuff. And he was crippled. He had um, whatever he had. Um, sciatica and stuff. He'd been to the hospital. They'd injected him. He was in agony. He lay there. And I saw him lying there in agony, and I won't pray for anyone till I've preached. See, I, I'm, not a, I, I'm not a magic worker. Okay, I preached. And after I finished preaching, I, I kind of stepped off the platform. I went round to where he was lying. I looked at him, and I said, well, I said, are you going to lie there all day, or are you going to get up? Get up! <laughs> he looked up at me. And he began to go, I said, get up! And he got up, he began to stagger, and then he began to walk, and then he began to run, and God had completely healed him. Christ's ministry was to Israel. Christ sent his disciples to Israel alone. You'll find that in Matthew 10, 6. Miracles authenticated their message as being true and being of God, from God. And what you have to understand is that Really, without miracles, you would have no authentication of your ministry at all. I mean, if you're really from Christ, where's the miracles? You go down to the places I go to, go to India, go to Africa, go to South America. If you can't cut the mustard, they won't believe a word you say. They want to see that what you say you do. I had the um, uh, king of Ashanti, the Ashanti king. I went over there and the president invited me to Ghana. And, and when I went up to Kumasi, the, the king of the Ashanti uh, wanted to entertain me. And he got all the chiefs and the kings together. And the bishop, the Anglican bishop, who's Ghanaian, told him about the blind eyes opening, the, the, the cancers withering, and all the miracles that had happened. And the king said, pray for the council. So I prayed for all the council and the kings that were there. And he was sitting, it was kind of in a tiered shape, uh, U-shape, and they were sitting on tiered seating, shoulder to shoulder, about 400 of them. And then, after I prayed for them, the king and I talked. And then the king said to me, 
uh, would you pray for me? So I walked up and I had to walk up these steps and he was sitting on a throne and he had the ceremonial umbrella above him and someone fanning him and all the people around him. And as I passed the Anglican bishop, he said, the king says you can touch him. Now, no one touches the king. So I walked up and there he was in ceremonial dress on his throne. So I laid hands on his head. And I want to tell you, all the courtiers went, <gasps> I touched the king. And I prayed for him. Uh, he saw miracle power. He believed in miracle power. Look, if you're going to stand before kings, you better have the goods. You better be sent of God. You better know in whose authority you do it. Uh, because that's what we're called to do. We're not called to have a philosophy. And this country, the reason they despise Christianity is because the church is powerless. We've got to stop being frightened people. What they're looking for is a man who believes what God says. What they're looking for is men and women who stand up and have authority. When you see the cancer, you curse the thing. And it withers. When you see the blind eyes, you say, I command sight. When you see the cripple, get up. We're here to change things. But you've got to change it with authority. Not, oh Lord, if it be your will. Maybe. God, I know you can do it. I just hope you will. How do you feel? Oh, God. <laughs> That's not faith. Miracles were performed uh, by those carrying the message to Israel. God never intended people to go with a powerless gospel. You'll find uh, Stephen, when he went out, he went with miracle power. You'll find Philip when he went down evangel miracle power. Uh, miracles were wrought by the hands of the apostles. You'll find that right through Acts of the Apostles. You'll find it in Romans. You'll find it in Corinthians. Miracles, miracles, miracles. And I want to tell you, it hasn't stopped. He's the same God, and if you're called of God, then I want to tell you, you have the same power, because God's not changed. What we have to do is we have to believe as it really is. And what's happened? People have lost sight of it. Deacons receive this power by the laying on of hands of the apostles. Gentile believers perform miracles, signs and wonders. You'll find that in 1 Corinthians 12, 14... Paul's defense of the validity of his apostleship included miracles. Many Christians are unaware that miracles have existed to authenticate evangelism throughout church history and Christian history. And let, let's look at it. Um, I want to go through it quickly. Um, the church fathers, Justin Martin in the second century wrote that miracles proved God's ongoing divine favor. 
And you'll find, if you read church history, you'll find tremendous miracles recorded, uh, how God did miracles. Origen, in the third century, said that miracles continue to draw unbelievers into the church. You know, miracle power is to, we're here to reach the lost. Is that plain? What we're not here to do is to fill our churches with other members, um, you know, church members from other churches. I don't want members from other churches. I want to reach the lost. I want to reach those who have never been to church, who don't know Christ, who have no idea. We had a woman come in recently. Well, no, it was a, not recently, really. I suppose it is recently, depending on how you look at it. Um, she was crippled. I prayed for her. And God healed her, and she starts jumping up and down, delighted. I said, how do you feel? And this is on a Sunday morning. And she shouts out, bloody tremendous. I said, that's her way of saying hallelujah. Um, she'd never been in a church. She came for a miracle. Uh, origin. <laughs> Origin said miracles continue to draw unbelievers into the church. Pope Gregory in the 6th century records mirac uh, the miraculous in converting the pagans and transforming the heretics. Uh, miracles, right through church history, were always part of it. Um, the 11th century, divine healing accompanied the word. 13th um, Thomas Aquinas, Francis of Assisi, Vincent Ferrer, miracles accompanied their message. In the Reformation, the Protestant reformers did not place a positive emphasis on miracles. Uh, that was partly because Luther had a terrible problem with Erasmus. And, and, you know, there was a real dispute. And Calvin, of course, well, he, he had a bit of a problem in Geneva. Uh, but may I say, I, I, I want you to understand that I believe totally in the teachings of Arminius, who said that the best book, second only to Scripture, was Calvin's Institutes. Arminius was not an Arminian. If you read his writings, you'll discover he believed in the sovereignty of God. And he believed in what Calvin taught. Now, Calvinists, Calvin would absolutely disown uh, because they take his doctrines to an extreme he never taught that um, it's hyper calvinism which i'm totally against but i do believe in the absolute sovereignty of god what i hear the father say that's what i'll say what i see the father do that's what i'll do that's what jesus said he believed in the sovereignty of god uh, i'm a great believer in the sovereignty of god it's not what i want it's what god wants amen so let us get off this idea that somehow it's all up to the will of man. Well, it's not. It's up to the will of God. No man can come to me except the Father draw him, said Jesus. And it hadn't changed. I believe there are people that will never come to Christ because they're vessels to dishonor. And I believe there are those that God has chosen. And I'm like Spurgeon, great Baptist preacher. He said... If everyone who was elect had a yellow stripe up their back, he would lift their shirt tails to see who the elect were. Because they don't, he preaches whomsoever will may come, and the elect come. And that's the way I view things. 
I, I believe totally in the sovereignty of God and I preach the gospel all over the world. I see thousands come to Christ and I'm glad God elected them to that place. In the 17th century, we had the Quakers or the Shakers. Uh, George Fox, um, only read the first generation Quakers before they went into quietism. George Fox, James Naylor, William Penn, Isaac Pennington. And um, uh, you, you have to read. And if you get George Fox's journals, you have to get it before the 8th edition. After the 8th edition, they took all the miraculous out of it because it offended the quietism Quakers. But um, the Moravian missionaries, all their missionary work was accompanied by miracles. And the Methodist, Whitfield, uh, the Spirit confirmed the word. And in Whitfield's day in New England, uh, and remember he left England, this England, to go to New England because uh, Wesley, John Wesley, denounced him as that fiend from hell and drove him out. And Whitfield was a real revivalist and... Wesley was an organiser. So uh, I love Whitfield's writings. He was a good Calvinist. Not a hyper-Calvinist, Calvinist. Um, and great man of God. And he used to preach for six hours. Uh, on horseback he'd sit. And 20,000 could hear his voice. Tremendous miracles. And people would cry. And it says that the necks of the horses were wet with the tears. And people would fall off their horses under the power of God. And tremendous miracles would happen. Great man of God. Um, then we go on to Edward Irvin. Um, he came into the things with the two women, um, the Campbell sisters, uh, up in Scotland, uh, who moved in the gifts and power and miracles. And Edward Irvin spoke in tongues and came down to London. Azusa Street Revival um, was a move of God, but long after the camp meetings, Parnham had his Zion City revival, uh, healing uh, move which sent missionaries right across the world. Now, Parnham started off in Kansas City, and it was from there uh, that the Azusa Street revival really happened. And then we've got Smith Wigglesworth, Catherine Coleman, all the ones you'd know about, um, uh, William Branham, F.F. Bosworth, Charles Price, Oral Roberts, uh, T.L. and Daisy Osborne, T.L., a good friend of mine, Benson Edehoser, good friend of mine, uh, Dima Shikarian, um, loads of them. I, I mean, I find that you'll only move with the people you move with. Thank God uh, I know T.L. well. Um, I know Oral Roberts well. I know Richard Roberts well. I knew Benson Hoser well. We, we traveled to um, some 40 nations preaching the gospel together. Um, I believe in miracle power. The only way you'll get into real miracle power is get where it is. It's catchable. Uh, you, know, you don't catch something unless you're around it. Uh, one of the secrets, I'll tell you a secret. You want to know a secret. Here's a secret for all of you. Uh, you say, well, I want miracles. Well, I'll tell you a secret. Secret that is hidden. Come here, Kent. I need you. Okay, I need you. Um, can I have you, brother? Okay. 
Here you are, catch that. Here you are, catch that. Here you are, catch that. Catch that. I need Sheila here. Come here. Catch that. Now what I've given them, stand in a row. Look at what you've got. Look at what you've got. Okay. Now this is grass seed. Okay, grass seed. Small seed. What's it going to produce? What have you got? Unusual, unusual marbled foliage. Unusual marble. Yeah, you look it. Um, <laughs> nasturnium. Oh, okay. Now, what's it going to produce? What have you got? Lettuce. What's it going to be? A wet lettuce leaf. Um, okay. Runner beans. Runner beans. It's going to do a runner. Uh, runner beans. Poppy seed. Poppy seed. What are you going to produce? Now tell me something. If you've got all these different seeds, can I get him to produce grass? Can I get her to produce runner beans? Why not? Can I get him to produce runner beans? Can I get him to produce lettuce? Why? Because the seed they've got is different. Isn't it? Now, if I want miracles, I've got to plant the right seed. One of the biggest problems in the church today is the pastors haven't got the courage to preach the truth of miracle power, and therefore they never will see the miracles that would be theirs if they'd plant the right seed in people's hearts. What they do is they try a bit of magic at the end of the meeting. If you're sick, come and we'll pray for you. But just a minute. You see, the crop comes from the seed you plant. Faith cometh by hearing the word of God. It don't come by magic. And what's happened is people are planting grass seed and trying to get runner beans or lettuce. At the end of their meeting, they think, oh, you know, it's time to pray for the sick. But you never ever planted a seed of faith. So no one's going to get healed. And you don't plant the seed of faith in case nothing happens. Hello? And so you're not preaching and teaching the full gospel because of fear that if it doesn't happen, you're going to look stupid. Because you're not preaching redemption. So you're never going to see the fruit of redemption in people's lives. The seed you plant is the harvest you'll have. If you need miracles, you need the right seed. And if you need the right seed, how do you get it? Let's explain it. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, you can... I'll collect my seed. Okay. Now, if you take the seed, shake it all together, I'll tell you what you'll get. You'll get confusion. If you want to do the right thing, do what I did. I'll tell you what I did. I thought this. If I want to live healthy, I eat the right food. 
Amen? If you want to be healthy, healthy diet. Huh? Well, isn't it? You exercise your body, soul, and spirit. You exercise, you keep healthy, you do your weight training, you do your walking, you cut out too many carbohydrates, you don't eat between meals, you drink uh, water and plenty of liquid, you make sure you keep yourself fit if you're going to go out and preach and teach. I'm a believer, let me say this right away, I believe in miracles, but I believe in medicine. Uh, I believe God can heal through medicine just the same way he can heal through a miracle of prayer. So I'm not against medicine, I think it's a gift from God. But when you want a healthy diet, get a book like uh, Christ the Healer by F.F. Brosworth. Okay, he really understood. If you want miracle power, get the right seed to sow in people's hearts. Another book that's very good is T.L. Osborne wrote a classic Healing the sick. If you get and you read it, and every Sunday you preach one chapter of it. Look, say, well, it's someone else's thoughts. Well, make them yours. But if you preached it, I'll tell you what would happen. Within a few months of sowing the right seed, you'd get the right crop. Hello? There's no magic about it. You see, the seed is the word of God. If you sow the right seed, you're going to get the right harvest. Get books written by men who do it. Don't get books by people with theories. Get books by people who know how to do it. And, and, you know, you'd transform your church if you sowed into their hearts and lives good seed. Now you say, but this is someone else's seed. Well, make it yours. Hello? Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing new under the sun. Feed your soul with expectation of miracle power. Get Catherine Corman, daughter of destiny. Read about the miracles. Just get your heart and your mind immersed in miracle power, in ministry power, and start believing, hey, if it could be done for those, I have living within me the same Jesus they had, the same God they had. He's the same. He never changes. Amen? You know, encourage yourself. Get around where miracle power is. Love the gift. And realize we have this treasure in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of us. But if you're going to feed your flock regularly, give them something that's wholesome. Amen? You know, you've got to give them something that's biblical. Um, What I learned very early on is it's better to encourage your heart with what's good, not with what's bad. And... I mean, I'm way down the road. I've learned books of the Bible by heart, and I know I I can just sit down and... It's easy for me. I never stay up all night preparing a sermon or anything like that. Um, 
But what I'm trying to show you is that you can get seed, which you could use. I'm showing you a secret. It's not what I do. It's what I did years ago. When I began, I thought, well, I don't know what to preach. And when you're preaching six times in a week, and you're going and you're having to minister, and it's the same people, what are you going to do? Uh, that's what I do. Sometimes I go and I'm taking in a conference, and I'm speaking morning, afternoon, and evening to the same people for eight days. You know, uh, you can't just go there and say, well, ha, ha. look, you've got to, but if you've got a wealth of life over a long period of time, it's easy. It's easy for me. Um, but it's out of experience. But you don't have that experience in five minutes. So pinch someone else's. Hello? Unless you're too proud. Holy Ghost has got to tell me. Well, he has. Get the book. (laughs) Use good seed. You won't get lettuce by putting grass seed out. And if you want miracles in your church, the reason that, that evangelism is so ineffective is people don't preach it. See, what I do, I preach, bring the sick. All over the country, you might have seen miracles, healing, faith, posters. Have you seen them? How many people have seen them? They're up in Edinburgh, they're in Glasgow, they're in Birmingham. Hey, it's what I believe. And when people come from all around the country, they come expecting a miracle. Why? I put seed in their heart. And I tell them, you know, when they ask, I send them a book. Send them a Catherine Coleman book. Get them, their hearts begin. And you sow seed, I'll tell you, they expect a miracle. But if you all the time, well, you know, if it be your will, O oh God, you get nothing. It's how to evangelize with miracles. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Does that help anyone? Let's go on. I'll get worked up otherwise. Um, (laughs) The sources of miracles. God, demonic or the flesh. You know, how can we tell which miracles are of God? How do you know whether it's God? What brings miracles about? Well, I've told you. It's the right seed. But tell me this. How do you know whether a miracle is of God? It can be of God. It can be demonic or it can be the flesh. How do you know? Let's look. I've got the answers, really. Um, the miracle of glorify God. I'm always suspicious when someone owns the miracle. Look, it's God that does the miracle, not you. It's God who's miracle power. When people come to our school and they look around, it's 75 acres, it's beautiful country uh, estate we've got down the road for our school. People say, oh, you know, how wonderful. But I'll tell you who built it. He did. I'll tell you who provided it. He did. I'll tell you who does the miracles. He does. And 
when a ministry starts thinking it's them, you're in trouble. Okay? Uh, it comes from a righteous man or woman. Uh, it won't come from a, a washerwoman, uh, <laughs> if you know what I mean. It, it comes from a man who wants to go God's way and knows that his righteousness is God's righteousness, not his. Look, if it was by my holiness, no one would ever get healed. But Jesus lives in me. He does the work. Okay? And then it's in accord, as you said, with Scripture. Got to be in accord with Scripture. And a real miracle will stand the test of external verification. I worry when people claim a miracle, but there's no medical evidence for it. I had a man come to my church some time ago, uh, must be a few years now, and, and he walked into my church and he said, Brother, he said, I'd like you to pray for me. I said, uh, okay, well, I'll do it after we preach. No, 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 I want you to pray now. I know, so no, I don't do that. So he got offended. I have a gift. Um, he got real mad. Because I wouldn't do what he said. So afterwards, I, I walked outside and he was standing with his wife and, and some people he'd come with. And I walked up and, and he was mad at me. I wouldn't just do what he said. And he said, well, I'm part of Rhema. Word of faith. Uh, he said, God has healed me. And for some reason that... I can't explain, I sniffed, and when I sniffed I said, you've got gangrene, and you're going to die if you don't go to hospital. He said, no, I'm healed. I said, lift your trousers leg, I want to see your leg. And when he lifted his leg, it was purple and green, got gangrene. I could smell it. I don't know why. I, I said, you're a diabetic, aren't you? He said, yeah. I said, you're going to die. He said, no, 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 I'm healed. I read Hagen's book, I claim my healing. In Jesus' name, I'm, I'm not going to make a negative confession. I said, then buy your coffin, you're a dead man. He said, no, no, you've got a gift of miracles, you pray for me. I said, I'm not praying for you, go to the hospital. And his wife grabbed my arm, she said, thank you. Thank you for saying that. And they persuaded him, his wife and his son persuaded him to go to the hospital. And by God's grace, they saved his leg, he got gangrene. And God, in his mercy, used medicine, it got better. But you know, he had to learn a lesson. Claiming a miracle that doesn't stand up to external verification is deception. I'm sorry. Don't ever claim that God's done something he hasn't done. If God's done it, he doesn't need you to pretend. And if he hasn't done it, be honest. Many evangelists teach pop psychology or prosperity. Uh, and basically what it is, the power of positive thinking. Uh, it isn't miracle power by Jesus Christ. It's how to love yourself. How to cope with yourself. Hey, well I want you to hate yourself and love God. To know that you're totally depraved until Jesus Christ births you from above. That you need to be born again. 
that you need your whole life transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ, cleansing you from all unrighteousness. I want you to know it's the power of God coming divinely down, not how you cope, how you relate. Um, I love this. Um, In the 13th century, Pope Innocent II showed Thomas Aquinas the wealth of the Roman church boasting, no longer can the church say, silver and gold have I none. To which Aquinas answered, nor can it any longer say to the lame man, rise up and walk. (laughs) I love it. When wealth comes, miracles go. When a man sets his heart on the things of this earth, that's where his treasure is. And I'll tell you what happens. He loses. Hey, we're not here to enrich ourselves. We're here to bless people. We're here to tell the sick you can be made whole. We're here to preach, teach, heal. Preach, teach, heal. Now, do I believe in poverty? I hate it. Lord, not me, let me not be so poor that I curse thee. Let me not be so rich that I forget thee. I want sufficient, and God will always provide sufficiency. But this wealth gospel is from hell. Evangelize through miracles. Go you into all the world, preach, teach, heal. Christianity is not a religion, it's a life. Jesus is the good news. And we need to preach Christ. When you preach the gospel, miracles happen. No miracles, no Jesus. Amen? It's a wonderful thing to know. Miracles and Jesus. You know, I, I, I have always been fascinated with the reality of my God. You know what I love? It's to get amongst the crowds, to see desperate hearts, and to see the power of God meet them. That's what I love. And, and I, I think you yeah, okay, it's not as convenient, but who cares? I would rather invest my money in people than things. And it's just the way I am. Miracles will happen if you sow the right seed. I think most African churches and a lot of Western churches now speak more of money than they do of Jesus. And some of them speak more of relationships Theology is the study of God. And we need to lift up Jesus Christ. You need to know God. What you don't need to know is man. And you need to understand the nature of God, the love of God, the reality of God, the power of God, the attributes of God. You need to get God-centered, Christ-centered, not man-centered. And when you're Christ-centered, you'll be surprised. You will get in the midst of people and you will see what the Father does and you will see what the Father says and you will have the right answers. We need to be Christ-centered. 